He's got one foot in the frying pan and one in the pressure cooker. Believe me, as a bowler, I know that right about now, your bladder feels like an overstuffed vacuum cleaner bag, and your butt is kind of like an about-to-explode bratwurst. Hey, do you mind? I wasn't talking when you were bowling. Was I talking out loud? Welcome to Munson's at the Movies. My name is Kyle. I will once again be your host. Joined by the rest of the Munson's. Want to give them a wide berth. He's what is called a born loser. A real Munson. <laughs> and talk a little bit about what's going on in the worlds. We are in luck today for episode 64 because we've got a few folks with us who haven't been here in a while. Starting with Warren making his return this this is episode sixty four. I I read it wrong. I thought it was sixty nine. I'm I'm leaving. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm really glad to be back. Have not watched many movies over the past year, but was very excited to watch some super shitty ones with Angelina Jolie. So let's uh, let's get rolling. Hey, I'm not known to be much of a Jersey guy when it comes to professional athletes, but uh, I've decided. That I'm now a uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick fan. Ooh, I'm upset. He <laughs> earned over $82 million in his career. I'm going to wear a different Ryan Fitzpatrick jersey every weekend of the of the season. Every Sunday, I'm wearing a new jersey this year. You know, he's a smart player. He went to Harvard. I was like, he went to Harvard. He is not a smart player. Those are two completely different things. <laughs> they should not equate. I was like, he's a, he's a risk-taking, weak-armed gambler. Who's probably great at like doing math, but he's not good at football. <laughs> like I don't want to hear it. No, is his Brett his Brett Favre Brett Favre with a high IQ and a smaller dick? <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. I've seen arms. I don't know if that's doable. <laughs> I'm gonna feel awfully out of place at my Vikings bar when I'm wearing a Fitzpatrick jersey of neither team that's playing. That's okay. You'll be losing a bunch, so you know you might as well just yeah. wear the shame on your back. That's right, James. Yeah. So uh, you know, what am I now? Four weeks into fatherhood. Maggie Smith Jr. is doing well. <laughs> the cool thing about being a dad, I've realized, is that the bare minimum is expected of you, and you just get all the praise. Like, like I watched my wife go through the most physically impressive feat I've ever seen in my life, and people will see me like change a diaper in public and like, oh my god, what a good dad! <laughs> like, damn, the bar is so fucking low for me, man. Like, the fact that I try it all, everyone's like, oh, good job. I was like, I could be fucking this up, and everyone's just so happy for me. Gonna have a statue before you know it, dude. <laughs> for real. <laughs> Rigby isn't here yet. He will be eventually. This is not the first time, nor will it be the last time that Rigby Ooh. dragged his ass exactly dragged his ass in late to a, an episode. But you know. Some, some of us have a brand. He's got one. But we'll welcome him with open arms when he gets here with some silent treatment, per, per usual. Speaking of taking some weight off our shoulders, Lauren Hopkins is back with us here on the pod. Woo. Hey, um, everybody. Hey, Lauren. For those who don't know Lauren and haven't heard her previous episode, she's a higher ed professional and she lives in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She loves to travel and has been to 10 countries and 40 states. And she's planning a trip to the Maldives next fall. Maldives are going to be sick. <laughs> When she's not doing all of these things, Lauren works as a background actor and has worked on over a dozen films and TV shows. She was previously with us for the Maya Rudolph and Elliot Page episodes. Welcome back, Lauren. Tell us about the thank, Maldives thank, and thank if you've you. been doing any uh, background acting lately. Yeah. So I started, I had friends that got married in Mexico last uh, in April, I guess. Um, and so we went to Mexico for a week and that was, you know, obviously an extreme hardship. 
Um, and those friends are very well traveled and started talking about, um, taking this trip to the Maldives next fall. And they were like, would you guys be interested? And we were kind of like, yeah, yeah, actually we would be interested. And then of course we got home and a week later, my boyfriend's cousin, who he's very close with announced that he's getting married in Hawaii in March. (laughs) And so we were like, yay, Hawaii. But also like, we literally just kind of semi committed to a very expensive trip to the Maldives. Yeah. Uh huh. And we're not like rich. So we'll see how that all plays out. You can't afford multiple trips around the planet. Come on. (laughs) NASA can do it. Why can't you? As for movie TV work, I, I worked on a show a couple months ago. I think it's a movie that Netflix is doing called Rustin that filmed in Pittsburgh. Could not tell you who was in it because I don't think that we actually saw any actors of note thing yeah i think that's the only thing i've worked on since i saw you all last i'm more interested in the background actors of that movie than than the stars <laughs> <laughs> nice that's, that's a man who knows how to, how to treat a guest that's what that yeah, is that's yeah. very nice so june 16th first off we have daniel brule Inglorious Bastards, Rush, Captain America Civil War, and Brother Bear 2, the German version. Also Salt. Yeah, Salt. Uh, I'll start us off. I think Daniel Brühl is the ripe age of 42. Damn. I was going to guess around there. Uh, 40. 48. I'm going to say 43. All right. Uh, Price is Right rules. Lauren, you win. He was 44. Turns 44. Oh, good job, Lauren. That's one for her. John Cho. Harold and Kumar saga, the Star Trek saga, the American Pie saga, and Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas, <laughs> which is wild. I had no idea that there were Asian people in the time of the Flintstones. Big bow. <laughs> are you saying that from a historical narrative yeah, or entertainment? I'm saying it from a, a Hannah a Hanna Barbera. They never did that. I don't even think I don't even think they had black people in the Flintstones. Yeah, you're right. The Flintstones was the prehistoric era, but like definitely in Chicago during the prehistoric era. <laughs> <laughs> how, how old's John Cho? I just think I think of him as Harold, and he was like a high schooler in that. <laughs> he's been he's been college aged for twenty years. Yeah, I think he's older than he looks. Give me forty five. I'll go fifty. I'm going high. Oh my god, thirty eight. I'm gonna say forty eight. Kyle on the dot fifty. He's fifty. I wouldn't, dude. He looks great. When you think about it, didn't his character originate the term MILF in American Pie? Yeah. Yeah. Talk about a, Arguably, a pop culture yeah. staple. Whoa. John Cho. That man changed my life. He changed <laughs> so much about the world around us. Or at least fetishized it. Yeah. yeah. Stifler's mom changed your life. <laughs> That's true. All right. And last but not least, we have the man. He is still alive. Tupac. How old is Tupac? <sighs> is Tupac younger than john cho that's a question i often ask myself mm. i'm gonna go 58 before he faked his death to get away from jada um <laughs> 54 52 i'm gonna say he's 54 but because he's been decaying in his little bunker and so he looks 70 oh yeah <laughs> terrible nutritionist <laughs> so believe it or not everyone was over but lauren's closest he 51 Wow. He is a year older than John Cho. He was he was killed at the age of twenty-five, allegedly. 
Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly. There was all the birthdays. No one else had birthdays. Happy birthday to those people. All right, five actors onto the wheel for episode 64. They were Ben Wishoff, Steve Martin, Mads Mickelson, Sanaa Lathan. It doesn't matter. Because the wheel chose Angelina Jolie. And Lauren decided to come join us to talk about Angelina Jolie. And Warren, to a certain extent, too. Or that she did. Right? Yes. So for somebody with such powerful name recognition, she hasn't had as many credits as maybe people think she would. She's only got 63 credits. Most of it's film. Um, there's some music videos popped in there as well, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But before we get into the details, James shall try to stump us with um, all the trivia. And last time he said he's going to have to have like nine facts. So we'll see where he landed. Yeah, so... I had to decide, like, did I want to make this trivia a hit piece on the girl we're covering? And I decided no, because there's a lot of drama in this woman's life, and that is unfair to the whole story. So I decided not to just include the dramatic elements, but also some positive ones in here as well. So for those of you who are new to the podcast, I'm going to read off three facts, two of which are going to be true about the woman of the hour, Angelina Jolie. And one of them is not going to be true, but will in fact be true about one of the many cast members of the Fast and the Furious franchise. Guys, got to guess which one is which. Fact number one. Listed as the founder and or board member of seven charities, including one in her own name. Fact number two. Became the third actress to join the $20 million club in history for earning $20 million per film. Fact number three. Once hired a hitman to kill herself. Wow. Well, I have no idea which one this would be, so I'm going to practice my test-taking skills like James always talks about. (laughs) And since the only person in the Fast and Furious universe that has as much crazy things in her life is Charlize Theron, I'm going to say that number three is about Charlize Theron. A great guess, because Charlize has had quite a wild life. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the first one that's a lie, and I feel like it's probably a trick, and she probably has like more charities than that. <laughs> probably. <laughs> and I'm sure there's like one in her name, but probably like five or something. I still have not seen any of the Fast and Furious movies, so I can't attribute it to someone. They're about family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's number one as well. Okay, and that that's actually it's Paul Walker, and most of them are done posthumously. I think number one is also a lie, and that's noted philanthropist Luke Evans from the Fast and Furious franchise. Rigby would have said that it was number two, and it was Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> so no one guessed fact number two. Became the third actress to join the coveted twenty million dollar club. And that is true. Good, get, good not guessing. Uh, she joined that after Julia Roberts and Cameron Diaz, formerly covered on the pod, mm-hmm. was in Mr. and Mrs. Smith in uh, 2005, where she got paid $20 million for that movie. Jeez. Additionally, though, since then, boy, has she been crushing it. She has been the highest paid actress in three years since then, which was in 2009, 2011, and 2013, where she got paid just under and just over $30 million each year. Uh, so she's she's doing great financially, if you're wondering. Wow. Fact number three, once hired a hitman to kill herself, 
is true. So when I said there's a lot of stories I could have chose from, but I didn't want to paint only negative pictures, this is one of them. So she was uh, heavily into drugs when she was younger, and she was contemplating suicide. And then she had this kind of deep thought where she says, well, if I commit suicide, people in my family are going to feel like they're going to be down. They're going to feel like they could have reached out for help and there was something they could have done. And so to save them that burden, I'm going to pay a hitman to make it look like a robbery. That way, no one would feel like it was a burden. It was merely an accident. I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. She actually hired the hitman, and then the hitman was the one who talked her out of it. He said, why don't you just take a couple months and call me back? You know, I've never really been asked to do this before. And uh, if he hadn't done that, she might not be here today. But uh, after those few months, uh, she got a little better and changed her mind. And fact number one, you guys nailed it. Warren specifically, that is a Paul Walker fact. List is the founder and board oh. member of seven oh. charities, including one in their own oh. name. 29 different charities. According to tax records, in one <laughs> year, she donated $8 million alone, and that was in 2006. She's won like every humanitarian award you could possibly win and was actually even honorary Dame Hood since she's not from England uh, by Queen Elizabeth. But like literally every humanitarian award there is, she won. So it would waste my time to list them. But 29 different charities. Damn. And according to tax records, $8 million in one year. That's not counting every other year. I typed in how much money total, and it's just not even listed because it's so much. So I was impressed with that as well. All right, Case, tell us about her snapshot in box office history. She's made a lot of money. She has. Jolie is easily one of the biggest stars that we've covered. But she has a drastically different box office footprint than anybody else. Quickly, it became very clear that she would do well in film, budget comparison. Jolie ranks seventh overall film budgets with a whopping $74.1 million per film average. That is just gigantic. And it's even more impressive when you consider she hasn't done a lot of franchise work. Also, she ranks eighth in overall box office earnings, which relates to what James was talking about. Uh, While you might think she's all set, you would be wrong. Star meter, she's 20th. She's 56th in critic ranking, 42nd in fan ranking. She's 58th and 62nd in box office metrics. One would probably look at that and go, well, her critic and fan ranking is what's going to sink her. You'd be partially right. What was interesting about Jolie is when I started plugging in the numbers, Early on in her career, she was in movies that struggled in the box office. She had several massive bomberoos right out of the gate. If you only include films that had film budgets and box office reported, she was in six straight movies, which lost the money coming out of the gate. So she wasn't in a movie that made money in the box office in her career until The Bone Collector. Further, she's in some of the largest bombs that we looked at. If you look at movies and how much money they made against their budget, she's in the third lowest film we've looked at in Pushing Tin. The film was budgeted for $33 million and only grossed $8.4. <laughs> that movie lost $25 million, which is bananas. Uh, she's got some sweet erotic titles like The Bone Collector and Pushing Tin, T-E-N instead of T-I-N. <laughs> like, that's epic. Gone in 60 seconds, which is rings true to your life, Warren. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, man. That's a good one. Overall, she ranks 52nd our box office metric. It's very surprising. It's not, not worth $20 mil a year. 
Yeah, especially because, yeah, who she is and just, like, the name recognition. And, yeah, I'm really surprised by that. It's odd because, like, you're looking at some of these movies and the critics just go out of their way to hate so many of them. And some of them, I'm like, oh, that movie rocked. I don't know why it sucks, but I feel like it it became, like, it's weird. There's, like, there's some movies that absolutely stink and some movies people say stink that don't. And I don't know. Like, I, I didn't expect to hear that she was that bad in the box office, to be quite honest. I didn't expect to say it. You can say the same for the other stuff because like two of the shittiest movies I've had to watch in the past year have high Rotten Tomatoes scores and I thought they were like absolute garbage. Yeah. You know, when she's got entertaining movies, like I'll watch them because they're mindless and yeah. I know exactly what I'm getting out of it. But when I don't know. We'll get into it more as we, we get rolling. Especially the early 2000s. She goes on a, a razzy roll there that we'll talk about. Ooh. Do we have to? Hell yeah. <laughs> no, that's good, that's good stuff. That is the good stuff. Her critic ranking percentage is 46.3, while her fan ranking is 58.4. She's a fan favorite. That's all I got for box office. All right, early days, early years of Angelina Jolie before we start getting into some roles. She's pretty well known for being born to a famous father, John Voight. Ever heard of him? James, you can correct me. I think he left her mom when she was one. So she didn't have much relationship with them early on. Dude, I got so lost in all the drama way later. I have no idea <laughs> about the drama starting. <laughs> I know their their relationship over the years has been very tumultuous. They've reconnected, rekindled, and got frustrated at each other. Mm-hmm. They, always trying, I they always try and rejoin on a movie set. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> That's a great transition because her first ever acting was when she was seven on Looking to Get Out. She played Tosh and because her dad yeah. was in the film small role in that one as, as a seven-year-old, but got her first taste of Isn't Hollywood. John Voight, one of the writers on that film? I think I read that. It's the original, original Fast and Furious uh, family. Family. But as James alluded to earlier, her early life is so fascinating. So she studied acting at the Lee Strasberg Institute um, in L.A. They moved to L.A. at a certain point. And she was very much like a punk in high school. Everybody would make fun of her for her braces, her glasses. The person who had became like the prettiest person on the planet was somebody that they would relentlessly make fun of in high school, which is interesting to see that that shift over the years. Like like Char- Charlize, yeah, mm-hmm. she was the aluminum monster. Like she studied acting at NYU for a moment. She almost dropped out to become a funeral yeah. director. And she's just into like dark uh, shit. One of the reasons why you could also, you know, allude that she was into dark shit is uh, she's been very outspoken about, it, but she got heavy into drugs at a very young age and mm-hmm. had serious addiction issues even at, at a teenage age of when it comes to like heroin. And uh, that's when she tried to kill herself via Hitman. Yeah, she said she tried pretty much every drug possible by the age of 20. A lot of cutting, eating disorders. I mean, just a really, really, really rough upbringing. While she was trying to become a model in her early days before she became an actor, she made a lot of spots in music videos. So between 90 and 97, she was in seven different music videos. The variety of bands here is interesting, from Meatloaf to Lemonheads to Lenny Kravitz, the Rolling Stones to Korn. (laughs) So just... Covering the gamut, pop culture. She also was one of two finalists for a show by the name of Saved by the Bell uh, for the role of Kelly Kapowski. Nice. Of course, she did not receive that role, but who knows how the world would have changed if uh, Tiffany Thiessen never got it. 
<laughs> Back in my day, she was Tiffany Amber Thiessen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Feature film role. We're going to call it. It's meaty enough, though. We're going to talk about it. And that's Cyborg 2 from 1993, a low-budget B-movie. And the Lauren, as our guest Munson, pulled the short straw in this one and had to watch Cyborg 2. And it's going to tell us Yeah, I um, felt a little like I was being hazed. Um... (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. When you all invited me back and you said that the wheel had decided on Angelina Jolie... I had no idea that I would get to watch such a special movie. Um, So I just want to take a moment and thank you all for that. Yes, you're welcome. I mean, we loved you so much last time we figured this is the best way to welcome you on back. Yes, of course. Didn't you watch a really bizarre, shitty movie on the Elliot Page episode too? Yes, also. (laughs) (laughs) In a lot of ways, Cyborg 2 is like a quintessential 90s action movie, 90s sci-fi movie, whatever direction you want to take on that. She was only 18 when the movie came out, so it's kind of interesting to watch. Watching her in that movie, even just hearing the youth in her voice, and then knowing the career that she goes on to have was was really something. It's really not a surprise that this is a movie that is never talked about in her career and that you don't really think about. Like There are other cyborg movies. People have heard of cyborg, but it's not really associated with Angelina Jolie at all. You certainly get the precursor to her... Lara Croft, like you see her action and like very physical action and like hand-to-hand combat. Um, There's a lot of that in this. General synopsis of Cyborg 2, if you were not lucky enough to watch it. (laughs) It takes place in the year 2074. And there's these two major companies that are making cyborgs that do literally anything you want them to do. They can, you know, replicate humans a lot of facets. Um, Angelina Jolie plays Cash. She she's actually a cyborg in the movie. She was designed by one of the one of the two companies to kind of seduce her way into the rival company's headquarters, and then her programming was set that she would self detonate. Super uplifting. Certainly a family film. Things go awry. She starts to have feelings for this human that she knew at her company. His name is Colt. He goes by Colt Forty Five. He reciprocates those feelings, and so he decides he's going to help her escape from Pinwheel, the company that she was designed by. She gets out. Pinwheel sends this cyborg tracker, um, and he's a really colorful character in his own right. He goes out after cash and cults, and chaos and violence ensues. And if you've ever seen a 90s action movie, you can kind of imagine how that plays out. Do any limbs get cut or ripped off? I just imagine like a cyborg ripping off someone's arm or like... Or someone's face, I guess. Yeah, that works. Yeah. I saw a quote that of, of hers um, in, one of, in a rare interview where she had talked about this movie. She described her role in that movie saying that she did a fantastic B movie. And I think that kind of sums it up. I'll be honest, I struggled to stay awake when I was watching this. <laughs> but yeah, that is Cyborg 2. Um, there's not really a Rotten Tomato score on it. So that, <laughs> do what you want with that. What's hilarious about its Rotten Tomato profile, if you go to Angelina Jolie's profile, Cyborg 2 is listed. But if you go to the cast list, it shows her name, but she doesn't have a photo. And then you go to the next role, which is Hackers. And her face is on the Ooh. casting. So it's like her team stripped her face so people didn't even see that she's Yeah. There. I wonder if she paid somebody to erase that. 
Lauren, did you come across the backstory about her getting emancipated for this movie? Jesus. <laughs> no. No, but having seen the movie, this checks out that a reasonable parent may not be super enthused about their daughter playing this role as a child, as a minor. There's some nudity, so take that for what it's worth. In an interview with the Hollywood Gothic in 2006, the Shorter discovered Jody's, Jolie's father was the famous actor John Voight. The emancipation process was set in motion so she could film the scene without Voight awkwardly standing by like Thora Birch's father in American Beauty. <laughs> <laughs> so she got emancipated from her parents in order to do this movie and a topless scene. According to this article, that uh, blows my mind. Yeah. If you just type in, like, John Voight, Angelina Jolie feud, you will find just the wildest shit. And I guess it started young, of course. I love that their solution to this move, like, this predicament they found themselves into was to get her legally emancipated. Or I mean, she, she chose to do that. But, like, instead of just casting... An adult woman in the role? Yeah. Oh, that's that's just impossible to ask that. Right. There are no women over the age of 18 that were possibly available for this role. Right. And it's not like she was famous at this point. I mean, she yeah. was John Voight's daughter, but she wasn't no. uh -uh. Angelina Jolie. And so I just thought that was, that's, that's a little strange. Five years until the next review. And in that time, what most people call her first big role, especially media role, was her role as Kate slash Acid Burn in Hackers. She met Johnny Lee Miller on set, married him, divorced him by 99. When they got married, there's a lot of articles about what she wore for the wedding. So it was black leather pants and a white blouse in which she spelled out like she was wearing a uniform, his last name on the back, in blood. <laughs> what a weirdo. He seems really into blood. Yeah, it's clearly a thing she's into, no question. Yeah. We don't kink shame. That's true. <laughs> That's true. We don't kink shame, even though she's a vampire. We don't kink shame. Oh, it's a it's um, a cult favorite. Yeah, people love it. Yeah, I know a lot of people still love that movie. Craig, you said you have a story about her performance as Georgia Virginia Lasha Woods in True Women, 1997. Yeah, ironically, I was having dinner with a former colleague of Kyle and mine tonight, and uh, I said, yeah, I got to get back to my hotel in time to record a podcast, and I I said, yeah, we're talking about Angelina Jolie. And he said, get out of here. Angelina Jolie filmed a TV miniseries in my hometown. And a bunch of my friends worked with her. And they kept telling me how amazing of an actress she was. Turns out it was Angelina Jolie. I thought that was so cool that Seguin, Texas, if, if you're not from Texas, you've never heard of Seguin, Texas. And Angelina Jolie has spent some time in Seguin, Texas. Warren, have you heard of Seguin, Texas? Absolutely. That's right. What are we looking at population-wise here? About 10 times the number of guns to uh, people. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. The other thing I loved about this show was her, her character's name is Georgia Virginia Lashy Woods. Georgia, Georgia Virginia? <laughs> I don't know why she has a four-name character name in this, but she did. Two of them are states. Good question. No Two of them are states. <laughs> but she goes on the, the awards radar with her role as Cornelia in George Wallace, another miniseries, 97, where she was nominated for an Emmy and won a Golden Glove. So first awards love in her young career. That's early. It is. 
Yeah. Four, what, five years in? Four years in. Four years in. She's off the rails already in, in a lot of situations, and she's winning awards. That's impressive. Yeah, that's like Artist 101, where everyone like everyone around them knows their life is falling apart, but they're perfecting their craft, and they're like, let's just see how much more money we can milk out of you before you kick the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been on a run recently with actors who have like that one big biopic in their career, and Jolie is no different than that. Her highest critic score in this case is 1988's Gia, where she got Emmy and Golden Globe noms and a SAG win. And Rigby has this one. Yeah, I was surprised that this was her highest her highest critic score. I think whenever I'd heard of Gia, I'd often confuse it for Geely. So <laughs> we'll say that this we'll say that this one is uh this one's much better. Let me just say that right now. So Gia is a 1998 TV movie, as Kyle said. Uh, it's an HBO, it's from HBO Films, starring Angelina Jolie, Faye Dunaway, Mercedes Rule. Um, and it's it's about the life of Gina Karanji who was a famous supermodel in the 1980s. Oh, I should say Mila Kunis is also in this. She's the 11 she plays the 11-year-old Gina Karanji, which is good. But I didn't know Gina Karanji's story. Turns out she was this really famous supermodel who is known as like America's first supermodel, like the first supermodel that really sort of, you know, was in every magazine, Vogue and all these fashion stuff on every billboard in Times Square. Just made it big. Um and you know, shot her name through the stratosphere. I think, obviously, as you'll learn, faster than than she could handle. So Angelina plays Gina in this movie, and she moves to New York City uh, after being discovered by a, a fashion agent played by Faye Dunaway, and she immediately sort of takes the modeling industry by storm. She's very gorgeous. She's talented. She uses her charm to kind of get get you know uh, get sort of different shoots and and meet people. Just just what you'd expect for someone who's, you know, in that industry, who's gorgeous, who kind of looks good doing everything and, and has, has it all, basically. Turns out her life kind of takes a turn when her agent passes away and she falls into a, a love affair with a makeup artist. That's when you see her really start her life sort of go downhill. She starts to take hardcore drugs, cocaine, heroin. This, this is a it's a tough movie to watch because they really kind of go no holds barred with the drug use in this and also just like the overall you know depression and and just mental health issues that she had it's it's really intense um and i thought for 1998 it was really it was really good the way that they did it jolie is really good in this i thought faye dunaway was awesome in this she's faye dunaway is again her agent in this mercedes rule plays her mother she's also fantastic the cast is is good it was really intense. Um, I really, I really enjoyed it, and and Jolie's performance was was great. You watch it, and knowing that Jolie sort of suffered from drug use and suicidal attempts and mental health issues growing up, it sort of puts it into perspective why she was so good at this role because this was this was a life that she identified with, yeah. and it wasn't. I don't want to say it wasn't difficult to do that, but like it was something that she was familiar with and she probably had you know felt a lot of those same feelings and so i thought that was really interesting to learn about her backstory and all of this as well there's a lot of a lot of heroin and cocaine in this movie for sure it wasn't a dewey cox movie no you don't want none no, of this shit a <laughs> couple more years we've got pushing 10 in the movie that we mentioned earlier uh-huh. um for a few different reasons <laughs> but the, i think the important thing here is this is she met billy bob thornton on set 
and married him by 2000, divorced in 2003. Another marriage that lasted three years. And another one involved blood in weird ways, publicly. What a fucking like train wreck publicly of a relationship that was. Yeah, I just remember pictures of them on the red carpet. It's just like these people are just meant to be together. They are just... Really? So I was the other way because I think... How old were we when this... I was, yeah, maybe 12. And my brain couldn't comprehend how someone as life-alteringly attractive as Angelina Jolie was into someone like Billy Bob Thornton. And it really threw off my idea of what, like, relationships are and what they could be based. I was like, but he's so ugly and she's so pretty. Like, why? I don't understand what is happening here. I I was more referring to their dark, sinister personalities matching. Oh, and now, and yes, and now as an adult, I'm aware that uh, it's two crazy people who are being crazy together. I totally understand now. 99 brought us that first movie that ever made money that she was in, and that Ooh. was The Bone Collector. Congratulations. Alongside Luis Guzman. I'm shocked that this movie has bad reviews, because I was a huge fan. This movie is scary. When I, I, remember, I saw it as a kid, and it freaked the hell out of me. A lot of her movies that I realized that I like and apparently everyone else hates, they have a very similar kind of tone to them where it's like just enough nineties cheese that I was like, Oh, it's fun. But like, is it a great drama? No. Is it a fun drama? Absolutely. Is it a fun, like gory thriller? No question about it. Yeah. And she's, she's good in this. She plays the cop who's taken under uh, Denzel Washington's wing. Mm-hmm. He trains her basically from his hospital bed. Doing some, doing some uh, Dan Hedaya cop roles. The, the most unrealistic part of this is that, you know, I think at this point she was like voted like the most beautiful person on earth and she's yeah. a police officer. Like, no, that'll, that'll never happen. But for the, <laughs> for the movie, I will disassociate that part. Girl interrupted. She played Lisa. Yeah, her character's pretty deranged. I mean, she's uneven. I mean, I mean, she's in a mental institution, obviously comes with the territory but uh, the the film's main character is played by uh, Winona Ryder so the story's told through her perspective because she's put in there she doesn't really she doesn't deserve to be in there and uh, Lisa basically exposes every one of her insecurities in Jolie's character um, I think the question comes down to if you ask people she won the Oscar for this so you know people would assume this is her best role I think that's the case but I don't know who she was up against either that year for the Oscar. It's an interesting role. It's also not probably much of a stretch for her at this moment. Like, you know, like a decade earlier, she was probably going through this exact experience. And so that is one of the reasons she probably thrives in a role like this. She was going up against Tony Collette from The Sixth Sense, Catherine Keener being John Malkovich, Samantha Morton. Sweet and low down, and Chloe Savigny from Boys Don't Cry. Oh man, that's kind of that's kind of surprising. She didn't take that one, especially after Hillary took Best Actress. Yeah, Chloe Chloe Sevigny in uh, in Boys Don't Cry is awesome. No, uh, you got to you got to pronounce it like an American. There is no it's Sevigny Blanc. <laughs> it's it's it's, it's Chloe yeah. <laughs> your name's Ralph. You're Ralph Fines. All right. That's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but all, all those actresses you just named in those roles were awesome. So yeah. she probably crushed mm-hmm. it. Tony Collette in The Sixth Sense is fantastic. Too. Is. Good for, good for Angelina. Mm-hmm. We did do a little bit of an audible on this one. The actual largest audience gap apparently doesn't want to be found or watched by anybody in the Midwest. So 
James went with the second best option, which is probably a better conversation anyways. And that is 2000s gone in 60 seconds. And uh, we've hit the millennium. And Craig said he was excited to talk about Jolie, so we could finally talk about Gone in 60 Seconds. So he's here for this. Hell yeah. What was the other one? What, what was the other one going to be? The other one was Be- yeah. Beyond Borders. And there's a few issues I ran into. One, there's about 20 different movies or documentaries or TV shows called Beyond Borders. <laughs> so when you type that in, they're like, do you mean one of these 20? And you have to find it. <laughs> and so the actual movie uh, with Clive Owen, remember him, Beyond Borders, you can only find on Roku or Vudu. And so you have to buy it on both. And on both, it's not available in my area, according to the internet. So for some reason, I can't get it. Okay. Yeah, that, that, it's 7214, but this one, uh, Gone in 60 Seconds, something I loved has a 52% split. So critics hated this movie. They gave it a 25. Audience gave it a 77. What I will say is if you like Jerry Bruckheimer movies like Con Air or The Rock, uh, you'll like this movie. You just have to kind of accept the Nicolas Cage slick film, kind of absurd. It's funny and light, but like it's not that serious of a movie. If you're cool with that, you'll enjoy this movie. So the, the plot... The plot is, in exchange for his little brother's life, a now-reformed Nicolas Cage, who goes by an awesome name of Randall Memphis Reigns. Um, yes. Yeah. He's got to do the impossible. In less than three days, he's got to not steal one but 50 exotic cars for a ruthless crime lord. To stand a chance of pulling this off, he's got to get a ragtag group of former colleagues together and get the old gang back together to steal these cars and the cast is tremendous. So one of his former gang members is after fresh off her Oscar win, Angelina Jolie. This is the next movie. Uh, Nick Cage, of course, is the star. There's Will Patton, uh, Robert Duvall, Giovanni Ribisi, Vinnie Jones. Cops are played by Delroy Lindo and Timothy Oliphant. And the bad guy is uh, Chris. Is it Eccleston? If you saw him, you'd recognize him. I, I, I didn't know his name, and I confused him with a lot of other British actors. Um, but if you saw him, you would recognize him. The, the way I would describe this movie is like, it's stylish, it's energetic, it's funny. There's, it's Nicolas Cage being his awkward and over-the-top and fun self. But like, if someone was like, hey, defend the quality of this movie, I wouldn't. I'd be like, if, you know, you're comparing apples to oranges if you're trying to see what the drama is that unfolds here. It's you're watching guys steal cars. They're making funny one-liners. There's car chases. There's sex scenes. Angelina Jolie is playing like the sexy version of what she just won the Academy Award for. It's like, oh, this girl's a little crazy. (laughs) She's clearly, she used to have a thing with Nicolas Cage. Oh, she steals cars, but she's also like a little sex pot. And they crush it. They do great in it. It is a fun movie. Put it on in the background. You won't hate it. Anytime you check back in, you're like, oh, cool. They're making funny one-liners and doing 90s car chases. This is great. I think the critics hated it because at this point, we were moving past kind of the Jerry Bruckheimer prime, uh, and now we're in the 2000s. Um, one thing I did notice, though, is that they have to get these cars onto in three days is uh, Evergreen Cargo Ship, which famously recently got stuck in the Suez Canal for six days. (laughs) Too many cars on it. Yeah, and it it cost uh, $10 billion in damage a day when it was stuck for six days. 
because it blocked all of world trade. Um, so that was funny because I was like, oh, that the company's been around for a long time. Oh, that's the fucking company that kind of shut the world down for a week. Hilarious. Would highly recommend, but go into it with the expectations of what you're about to watch. James, the only thing I would disagree with you about is I will argue with anybody about this movie. I'll take anybody down if they try to argue that this is an awful movie. I love it. I love this movie. It's a great, it's a great movie. I remember going to see it in theaters. It was awesome. This is on my list of if it's on, I might as well call him to work sick. I'm just going to stay home and watch this movie. I can't turn it off. <laughs> I can't come in. In the background, you hear Lowrider going, and my boss is like, are you watching Gone in 60 Seconds again? <laughs> no. <laughs> that scene is still great. It's one of my favorite gifts to send to people, where they're dancing to Lowrider, and all like the young guys are like, what the hell are you guys doing? And they're just like, shut up. Shut up. We're getting in the zone. <laughs> and then it's Nicolas Cage just going, okay, let's ride. <laughs> I love that one. What do you, you think is better, having sex or stealing cars? <laughs> That's having sex while stealing cars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's just good 90s cheese. Yeah, it's great. Genius in this movie was they were lifting classic cars. So even though this movie's over 20 years old, I've seen movies that are 10 years old that are more dated than this movie. But since they're stealing classic cars, and then the new cars they were stealing were so, so new, I don't feel like this movie is incredibly outdated. I, I think this movie is more relevant than uh, any movie about COVID. <laughs> yeah. like it's it's gonna it's gonna age it's gonna age a lot better. Seriously, like yeah, my kid gets older, he's gonna watch a movie about you know love in the time of COVID. Like fuck no, he's not gonna understand what that means. But stealing cars, I mean, boosting cars is cool no matter what. <laughs> Minor sub point here: Did anybody else know that this was a remake? Yeah. Yes. I did not know that until I looked up some like information on it. I had no idea. That's crazy. Were they stealing like Model Ts and that? I was gonna say, <laughs> that was like the, the, the year the sport car was invented. Uh, I gotta gotta steal Secretariat. <laughs> the the next few years is this run that she starts of her Rousey period of her career. Also, if we thought she was big after her Oscar win, she would skyrocketed to astronomical levels as Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, 2000. No matter who plays this role, it was going to be a tough sell because this was such a wildly popular game. And everybody that played this game that were fanatics, they had, the, they had in their head who Lara Croft was. And that's what they wanted to see. I think she did a good job. I, I was entertained by this movie. I was going to say, she's not what I think is wrong with this movie. I think she is like in her sweet spot as an action star mm -hmm. it's they just can't make video game movies not suck apparently and especially one that sexualizes a female character like tomb raider has i mean one of the things in here is like they had to make like a conscious decision on like what size boob she should have compared to like the video like that's how much progress has been made in video games where like a production company was like is this realistic enough her boobs aren't big enough to be like laura croft's like jesus <laughs> christ dude <laughs> but she's not what she's not what's wrong with this movie at all the fact that her wrists don't break while she's shooting desert eagles is what makes me upset because <laughs> <laughs> she's like 100 pounds firing off a gun that like the biggest men can't hold on to yeah I was just going to say, this is the only one of these that I saw, and I liked it. I saw it as a kid, and I haven't seen it since, but... It's, it's National Treasure 
ish esque, and that's that's what brings you back is like it's that entertaining story. No, James, this isn't me. Serious callback here, saying that the Goonies and National Treasure are similar, <laughs> and the fact that it's a treasure hunt. <laughs> that's that's exactly <laughs> that's, 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 <laughs> that might be episode two. <laughs> treasure is involved. It is similar in that regard that there is a story and there is an item that people are looking for. So, yes, it is very similar in that regard. So no matter what we think of the scores from the critics to the audience or, or whatever she thinks of it, this is an important part for her life because while she was on set in Cambodia, she got this is where, like, the humanitarian stuff that James talked about. This is where it was inspired. So, well, since then, she's done over 40 missions as a goodwill ambassador, along with her 29 nonprofits. And that all started when she was there. And she adopted her first son, Maddox, at 26. And she said that was kind of like the, the real pivot point for her life, gave her stability and, and caused her to kind of stop acting like a clown. When I was 25 years old, I, this would not have been my focus. <laughs> yeah, I think when you were 25 years old, you were probably playing Tomb Raider. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I probably was too. Don't, don't get me wrong. I was not playing Tomb Raider at 26, but I was also not thinking about adopting or having a kid in any fashion. Yeah. <laughs> right. Especially after uh, visiting refugees in Cambodia, right? She just has an interesting life, dude. Like, she's made this much success at this point, like, in spite of her successful family. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that we're going to sail right into lowest critic score. Case has this one. It's another Razzie nominated role. So, the second one in a role, and it's Original Sin. 2001's Original Sin is a thriller starring Antonia Banderas <laughs> and Angelina Jolie. This movie feels equal parts fever dream and the prequel to 90 Day Fiancé Internet. <laughs> and here's my synopsis of this movie. Antonio Banderas is a rich and handsome bachelor and for some reason can't find a woman to fall in love with in the entire country of Cuba, even though he's rich and handsome. That was the favorite so, part that they just <laughs> ignored as a plot point. It's like the most handsome dude ever. Yeah, I can't figure it out. <laughs> so then he's going to... Send away to America for a bride at, who is described by his friends as ugly. But that's, that's who he wants to marry. However, when his future bride arrives in Cuba, she looks nothing like her, her photograph because Angelina Jolie's character claims, quote, I didn't want you to love me because I owned a pretty face. You know, most, most women, that's, that's what they're concerned about, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Speaking on behalf of all women. Yes. yes. <laughs> that also reminds me that this is probably our first instance of catfishing. So, despite being completely deceived by Julie's character, or he basically says, It's okay. I know I told you I was poor, but I'm actually filthy rich. So, the two of them are starting this great relationship under false pretenses. It's clear from the outset of this onset that something is amiss about Julie's appearance in Banderas's life. Over the course of the movie, her character continues to betray Banderas, and Banderas continues to overlook all of her betrayals because of his blind love he has for her. This isn't a very good movie. It's weird. It meanders a ton. The acting and the writing don't match up at all. You can tell that it's clearly written to be a dramatic scene, and both characters are just, the, the acting's just, it's just off. It's not bad acting, it just doesn't match with, if I were speculating, 
on why or how this movie got made. I think it was just a money grab because at this time in the early 2000s, the stock couldn't have been higher for either Banderas or Jolie. And this movie's really just kind of melting together a bunch of different roles they've played and then shoehorning it into this story about these two different characters, which explains the $42 million budget. My biggest question about this movie is how did this receive a 61% positive review from fans? So I think the question that's always asked, where do I fall on this? Firmly, firmly on the side of the critic, which pains me to say after hearing Gone in 60 seconds. I'd give it probably closer to 20, 25, just because I am a fan of both her and Antonio Banderas. And so I'd give it higher than that, but I definitely am not going to be in the 61%. Craig, you mentioning two people catfishing each other and then falling in love. That is actually a plot of one of my favorite relationships on 90 Day Fiance, where it was that actually happened. It's <laughs> two people both catfished each other and then ended up dating, and they've been together for like 10 years. They're the best. <laughs> so we got a fever dream, we have catfishing, and we have 90 Day Fiance International. <laughs> Who knew this would be such a relevant film? Just as the movie starts, and like they do like the quick explanation of why this was okay. It was like, it was just a, a, a husband who wanted a wife and didn't want to look for him. And like, and it's Antonio Banderas and he's the richest man in the country. Are you fucking nuts? I was like, <laughs> it's like, and then it was just this plain mail order bride. It's like, and it's Angelina Jolie. Like what world are we operating? In? And also his American mail order bride. I think <laughs> yeah. That was a hot take. <laughs> Very well known mail order country. Well, at the time that was one of America's greatest experts. Ports as uh, ugly brides. <laughs> yeah, very plain brides, correct. So while Original Sin was terrible from a uh, critic's standpoint, she's still making a lot of money per movie right now. Even though she's getting nominated for Razzies for every one of them, such as Life or something like it in 2002, another Razzie nom, three in a row. The next Tomb Raider, which I assume she got a Razzie nom just because they're like, we hated you in the first one, so we're definitely going to hate you in the sequel. Yeah. So that's four in a row. And then Beyond Borders, the movie we couldn't find, another Razzie nom. And then Taking Lives alongside Ethan Hawke in 04, another one. Just impressive consistency. Critics fucking hated her in the two, early 2000s, despised her. Anybody else seen Taking Lives? Yeah, and I, I was going to say, I actually, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I, like, I like that movie a lot. I, yeah. I thought it was creative. I thought it was well-written. And I thought her and, and Hawke did well against each other. Well, y'all's y'all's taste sucks. <laughs> That's actually well documented. So, <laughs> got a, two years of podcasts that prove that fact true. And I admitted that publicly last episode. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, you admitted it. Everybody's aware of that. Well, let's learn a little bit about Warren's taste in movies with his review of Largest Critic Gap, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow from '04. So this one got teed up to me, and I was offered either this pile of shit or Beowulf. <laughs> and I watched, I, I did watch both. And this movie is better than Beowulf. <laughs> so Sky Captain, uh, 70 critics, 46 audience. I think the audience is being super generous with a 46. The movie opens so just all over the place you don't know what's going on she's wearing a fucking eye patch <laughs> and i, I know it, it took until 2004 you know in in this podcast i know a lot of y'all have said stuff 
I've I've never found her attractive. So that's just me. What? Never have I found her attractive in anything that she's done. I don't understand. It's interesting you said that, Warren. I told a buddy of mine today, he said, who are you guys covering? And I said, Angelina Jolie. And the young version of Angelina Jolie is not as attractive as I remembered her being. I think the older version of her, like in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I think she's way more attractive I, than those. I would ones. agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I found two two from Rotten Tomatoes I thought were pretty good. Lucas would be proud. The rest of you should be ashamed. And I was impressed by Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, but I didn't like it much. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I think that's I think that's entertaining. The director came up with the, the movie uh, in 94, and he spent four years working on a trailer and then went around and pitched it for years. And then they were like, we're going to give you money for it. And when he found out it was a flop, he was like, how can it be a flop? We made $50 million. And they were like, the movie cost seventy million to make, and he was like, "We didn't spend seventy million on this movie." <laughs> he was like, "We we asked for three million. <laughs> what happened to the rest of the money?" And they're like, "All right, bud, you're never making a movie ever again. You never did." <laughs> so that's our last feature review. So now we're just going to punch through the rest of her career all the way to today, um, which is a lot. So between two thousand four and present day, she's been very very busy we'll talk about some personal stuff along the way in terms of how her life transforms but shark tale does some animated voice work in 04 first i think that's important just to know because she's has some other bigger voice work coming another razzie now number seven if you're keeping score at home for alexander playing olympias alongside was that colin farrell Farrell. in that movie yeah he played colin Mm -hmm. she played colin farrell's mom but she is a year older than colin farrell (laughs) i just remember that movie because you see colin farrell's dick in it this movie's really bad and it's it's an oliver stone movie too so it just yeah it was not good at all how's it look warren i work with fraternity men so this checks out (laughs) (laughs) i mean we we want to keep you know we want to keep it fair to both sexes here. You know, we're talking about how Angelina Jolie mm-hmm. looks. I want to know about Colin Farrell's dick as well. Doesn't everyone? Mr. and Mrs. Smith, you guys mentioned earlier, Keith David, our boy, is in there. Small role. Um, but this is the uh, the start of the Brangelina that led to six kids, 06 to 2012. He was still with Jennifer Aniston while they were filming. Ooh, but, scandalous. Um, that was crumbling. Angelina Jolie says that because her parents were such a shit show, she would never break up or, like, be be that person that would cheat but they they essentially have a lot of chemistry and i think it shows on screen because yeah those two are smaller on screen wasn't angela bassett in this as well small i think she has a small role right wasn't she the handler yeah yeah you're right you don't see keith david either he's uh he's just a voice he's like the handler of angelina jolie yeah he's blurry this movie's entertaining though yeah it's yeah, it there's is. there's some fun fight scenes in it. Again, I, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it, but you know, I, I knew exactly what I was getting into with it. I wish it was. I wish it went more over the top with like more of the violence and the fighting, and I wish they cussed more. But I get that they wanted to make money and keep it PG-13. One of the few action movies that features a minivan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't think bulletproof vests work as well after they get shot 30 times. The minivan scene's great. I love the minivan scene. I, I think this movie's a ton of fun to watch. I think it's got a bunch of great one-liners. One of my 
favorite scenes is where they finally have like confessed to one another and they're rekindling their relationship and they have like the how many people have you slept with since we've been married conversation <laughs> and Brad Pitt's like <laughs> that's a good one Brad Pitt's like well you know I don't want to like brag but you know like I'm kind of a ladies man he's like you know I'm in like I don't know low 50 uh, high 50s low 60s he's like what about you and she's like 418 like, <laughs> what <laughs> it's like how is that even possible it's like it was multiple people at the same time. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> also, Vince Vince Vaughn is great as like a side character. I think that is where he flourishes, just to like use his like improv jokes when he <laughs> when they find out that she's a a spy, and he's like, oh my god, you've been fooled. He's like, well, tell her I slept with her friend. So that's one point on the board for us, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the Good Shepherd, two thousand six, alongside Willie Hurts, like Clovers. Margaret Rigby, I have a feeling you like this movie. I've never seen it. I've seen okay. The... Well, then you would like it. I was getting confused with the Soderbergh movie that's called The Good German, but I've never seen this. This is about like the founding of the CIA, right? Is that how it? Isn't that what it's about? Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. First TV work, 2006, stars in their eyes. So it took her a long time to do any television work, unless you count miniseries. But you know, I'm thinking like sitcoms and things like that. Her mother passed away in 07. So that was kind of the first time she started talking with her dad again. So that's 76 to 2007. So long time. Long Anybody time see a picture started. of her mom? No. She, it's, it's definitely where she got her looks for her mom. Her mom is gorgeous. Wow. I would have thought she got her looks from Bud Kilmer. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy with how profile both her and John Voight are that we don't know anything about her mom. That's yeah. it's crazy to me. Yeah, I think she... I think she died of cancer. She it was uh, ovari- ovarian cancer. Yeah, they do look really alike. Good call. So I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why I think her mom's gorgeous, and I don't really care about her. And they do kind of look alike. Because <laughs> she's got a little John Voight look in her. That's what you're picking up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just don't want anything to do. I'm that. just afraid of getting bit. Yeah, the vampire aspect. I totally understand. <laughs> so 2007 starts playing with that accent that Warren talked about in a, a mighty heart. She played Marianne. True story about Daniel Pearl. Angelina Jolie's great in this. Um, I saw this movie. Yeah. This story is has always kind of fascinated me. Made this video saying he decried all the things that the U.S. was doing in the Middle East, and then and then after that, the terrorists beheaded him anyway. So it's a it's a fascinating story and a really uh, a really good film. And she's she's great in this movie. She had Golden Globe and SAG noms, I believe, for the role. I think the French accent was pretty solid in this. From a financial standpoint, she started getting the 20 mil per movie in 2005. And once you get one of those checks, you can probably start choosing movies a little bit more specifically after that. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to do any more Laura Cross if you don't want to. Right. It's You can do something you're more passionate about. Like Beowulf, <laughs> 2007. I remember the commercials. It was always the same fucking point it was they'd show all the action and then it was the character just screaming i am beowulf and like slamming a door this movie blows so hard with such a great cast because it's it's all voice and it's like a shitty shitty video game animation from 2005 which i mean granted it's what 2007 when it comes out they make fun of this animation in the new Chip and Dale movie, and it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. I don't like it. The movie's <laughs> terrible. The graphics are terrible. There's no emotion from characters, so they'll be screaming, and then their eyebrows just kind of move like up and down, whether they're happy or sad. 
Warren in the new Chip and Dale movie, there's one Beowulf character and it's voiced by Seth Rogen. And he like is the guard of the door that they're trying to get through. And they're like, are you looking at us? And then like, I think he's dead. Like he's dead behind the eyes. He's like, no, I'm clearly looking directly at you right in your eyes. And it's him looking straight ahead over them the whole time. Like, I don't think he's looking at us. (laughs) Jolie plays a character that's in it for like two minutes and she's a naked CGI. Got to watch the end today and it was on YouTube and he's the Beowulf is hanging from a dragon's mouth. He's got a hook, an anchor. He throws an anchor, a ship anchor, into the dragon's mouth like a fish hook. And he's swinging from it because it's wrapped around his arm. And he's cut open the chest. And he's trying to stab the, the heart of the dragon because we all know that's how dragons die. And he's swinging back and forth. And the, the point of the, the sword is like centimeters from the, the dragon's heart. And he cuts his arm off to try and like add an extra like inch to stab the dragon's heart and he still can't do it and (laughs) somehow he loses his sword so he loses his reach but he still is able to reach in once he's like oh i'm gonna kill this dragon he reaches in again and grabs the heart like fuck you dude you just you know unless you're inspector gadget you're not gonna you're not gonna do anything like that movie sucks never ever 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 watch it it's it's one of the worst movies I've had to watch for this. It's not a positive review. No. I'm glad we get Brian. You should definitely follow it up with uh, Cyborg 2. <laughs> Sky, Sky, Cap, Sky Captain was like a gem compared to that. Making some, so she's making some more money. She's in all three Kung Fu Pandas. 08, 2011, 2016. I know the first one made like $135, $150 million. More voice acting. Big franchises, so doing some things there. Kung Fu Panda is good. Um, First two are great. I don't remember the third that well. I concur with that. I, I don't. I didn't even know there was a third, but I, I know I enjoyed the first two. Yeah. I know we talked about the third one because Cranston's in it, but there's not. I don't think there's much to be said about it. How about Wanted 2008 alongside Chris Pratt? That cast. He's a badass in that. Wait, Chris Pratt's in Wanted? Hey, he, yeah, he plays the shitty best friend. Yeah, he gets his face beat in with a keyboard. I like Wanted. It's entertaining. Love her in this too, and it's the special effects in this movie are awesome. Yeah, the end the end fight scene's pretty pretty badass, and her her you know, part in that was pretty cool too. I love the special effects. the The bullet bending never got uncool to me. I thought it was cool the whole time. That was like the Matrix times times ten. Yeah. And I like how they just like abandoned reality and you just accept it. It's like, yeah, the only reason why people don't think it can happen is because no one's tried. I was like, that's cool by me. That's fine. That's all I need to know. (laughs) Comparing budget to box opera's performance, this is by far her best performance, which is notable because she's the primary character. Let's talk about Changeling 2008. I'd seen this movie before. I was looking forward to watching it again. I forgot that this movie is basically two hours of a woman being gaslit by law enforcement and it's so frustrating to watch it's yeah it's a i mean obviously there's a justice element to it by the end that you're like all right i'm glad this worked out the way it did but man her getting gaslit over and over again i was like this is this is brutal yeah i feel like if that movie had come out like in the last i don't know we'll say even five years i think i mean not that changeling is like the most popular movie ever, but I think it might not have been received the same. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think of how much we've progressed in the last five years, and this is based on a story that was in the 1920s. Like, 20s, yeah. that's why it's so fr- like you're you had no rights, and it, you're just watching this woman who's like, "I'm very certain this is not my son," and like, classic woman just making mm-hmm. stuff up. <laughs> like, this isn't my child. What do you want me to say here, dude? I thought it was checkmate when she was like, "My son is not circumcised, and this baby is circumcised." So like. Clearly, it's not my child. And we're like, oh, no, nah, he, he probably just got circumcised when he was missing. He's like, right, yeah. what is happening right now? That's clearly the first thing that people do when they go yeah, missing. That's, yeah, classic, classic thing. I would say this is my favorite performance of hers in her career. I agree. She's um, incredible. Same. She was nominated for Oscar, BAFTA, Golden Globe, and SAG. It's such an intense movie. Um, and, yeah, you just feel so desperate for her throughout the whole thing. She does a really good job of portraying that desperation to the point where you feel it um, the whole movie. Lauren, that's a really good point that you that you made. I, I'm thinking about that. I think it would have been made with such a different tone, though. Yeah. We would have felt so much less manic feelings that we do. How about Salt, 2010, alongside? Also based on a true story. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I like Salt. Accurate. It's a throwback to the movie she was starring in in the mid-90s, right, where it's... It's just enough action, just enough twists and turns, but it's also, you know, not the heaviest of plots, even though the plot itself is taking itself very seriously. I enjoyed it. Great. I read that this was originally supposed to be for Tom Cruise, and when he backed out, he changed gender to be a female. Interesting. Really? I think it's better with her in it. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it works better with, uh, like, the female perspective on the twists and turns minus the shittiest makeup in that one scene. I don't know if you guys saw it. She dresses up as a man and it's like, it's just Angelina Jolie with like a thick jawline. It's like, it's, it's, that's a woman who's not, it's the woman we're looking for pretty much right there. Yeah. That's her. Is there a, at this time, is there a bigger female action star? Hmm. I would say, Maybe Cameron Diaz? No. Action, though? I mean, yeah. action at that point, Cameron Diaz is probably just done night and day. Yeah, Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels, the other one, but... But those are more like <laughs> those, those comedies. Uh, that's more <laughs> yeah. funny. That's a comedy. Yeah. I mean, I would put her as one of the biggest action stars, period. But I was trying to think if there's anybody else. I'd say at this point, yes. Yeah, yeah, probably probably the biggest of the time. Yeah, I mean, even without the movies, like, she is the most, like, definitely the most, like, one of the most heavily covered, you know, c- celebrities in the news, too, and just the tabloids and all that stuff. Yeah, especially at that time, for sure. She really is in the spotlight probably as much as anybody that we've covered on this podcast uh, at one point in time, I would say. The interesting part about By the Sea, I, I watched, it's available on Netflix, is... At the time that it was written and filmed, her and Brangelina were in a really rocky part of the relationship. And if you watch the, the movie, it's about this voyeur couple who, like, were on vacation. He's a writer. She's, like, a former, like, dancer who was given up on that. And that was just, like, a housewife. They tried to have kids, couldn't have them. And so they're fucking miserable. And they end up, like, starting to spy on their neighbors, played by Melanie Loren. The guy's name, and it's them like trying to rekindle the relationship. I couldn't help but watch it and be like, I feel like this is exactly what her and Brad Pitt are dealing with right now. And she said she thought that it would help them, like 
figure out the relationship, and I think it did the exact opposite. Could technically be figuring it out, right? You figure it out, it, it's not going to work ever, right? It, yeah. It's just the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. It's like, hey, uh, our, our relationship's on the rocks. Let's have a kid. You know, our relationship's on the rocks. Let's have let's make a movie about hating each other and see if that's see if that's therapy. You say, let's have a kid. They have six kids. Like, <laughs> you're together for three years and you actually have twice as many children as it's physically possible to have in that time together. Well, I mean, Mr. and Mrs. Smith fired things up for their relationship. Yeah. True. I, I just think it's fascinating to watch her work as a director over the years because then you, you also have First They Killed My Father, which she was nominated for a BAFTA for director, screenwriter. So she's turned into a, a pretty decent filmmaker. I think a lot of actors and other folks become directors and it doesn't work out for them. And luckily she's got a lot of fundage to do these things. But based on the critic and audience rank, I think she's done pretty well. They haven't done well in the box office, but they've been well received. But as we round things out, produces and acts in the one and only I've had a movie that we covered with Brian Cranston and Sam Rockwell, Come Away with Goo Goo in 2021. And then the two mo- more recent ones, Those Who Wish Me Dead, alongside Tyler Perry, a movie that's, I think, still on HBO Max. I thought it was pretty decent. I, I love that movie, and I loved her in it. Yeah, she plays like the sympathetic hero. And she's back to being an action star again. Most recently, she made her uh, appearance their debut in the Marvel Universe. This movie blows. <laughs> she was so unnecessary in it. They spent way too much money to pay her to be in that role, and the movie was atrocious. Really? I liked it, Warren. A lot of <laughs> You never saw it, Rigby. That's <laughs> <laughs> the only one he's seen. Yeah. I'm actually starting at the end and working my way back. I saw it. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah. All right, Rigby, we've reached the pinnacle of top performances. Hit us. What do we got? All right, I got a list from Time Out Magazine from October 2021. So it's about as up-to-date as I could get. Stops after we get uh, from Eternals. So sorry, Warren, that's not going to be on there just for you. It's just movies, not not TV. So Girl interrupted. Numero uno. <laughs> Her Oscar-winning role. Changeling. Changeling is number two, yep. I think Mr. and Mrs. Smith is on that list. Yeah, good job, Lauren. That's number five. Maleficent. Number six? God, he's on fire. Those Who Wish Me Dead because it was 2021? No, that's not on here. Fuck me. I'm done. Uh, Salt? <laughs> yeah. uh, Salt is number four. Nice job. Gone in 60 seconds. Nope. Ah, boo. Wanted? Wanted's not on here, surprisingly. Wow. Does G, G, G account? Hmm. Yeah, G is number three. There we go. Oh, okay. Tomb Raider? Yeah, that's number 10. Hackers first importance to our career. Yep, Hackers is nine. So we need nice. we need eight, eight and seven. That's it. Bone Collector. Nope. Is Wanted one of them? Nope. Shark Tail. I'm kidding. I'm done. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> a Mighty Heart's got to be on. No, it's not. I wish it were, but it's not. Fucking that's, that's, that's a boner kill. Ain't makes me, it makes me think they didn't see it because I thought she was great in that movie. I'm going to give one more guess. The Tourist. Nope. Either see. Did she act in, uh, not act in one of them? Did she only direct it? One is a voice role. Oh, yeah. Kung Fu Panda. Probably Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, definitely wasn't Shark Tale. Number seven. All right. So we're just missing number eight. And this was this was early on in her, in her career, I would say. Pushing 10. Uh, her, role, her role in the corn music video. Kyle, did you say Pushing 10? 
Yeah. Pushing 10 it is. Number eight. Oh. Wow. Led to one of the best relationships in Hollywood history. <laughs> you know, she's got a, there's a, there seems to be a theme with all of her, uh, her marriages started with working with them on set. And ending. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I tell you not to dip, dip your pen in company ink. <laughs> <laughs> I think that list should include uh, a mighty heart. I would put Changeling one, but I'm I'm fine with Girl Interrupted being number one just because that was her that was her Oscar winning role. I think it's very fair that the top three are Changeling, Gia, and Girl Interrupted. Yeah, I think it's probably her top three. She was awesome, Gia. She was really really good. All right, so Munson Meter, we rate every actor on a scale of zero to hundred based on a variety of factors. They can include longevity, project choice, pop culture impact acting range, their awards footprint, any other talents they might have, personal life, comedic chops, box office success, or anything else that matters to us as Munson's. So this time we will start with Case. Normally, I kind of go in and I have an idea of what range they're going to be in, and usually they go down. And throughout tonight's discussion, I've continued to elevate her score. I think a couple of the key factors for me is the point I brought up earlier about her being not only one of the biggest female action stars in the 2000s, but I think she was one of the biggest action stars, period, in the 2000s. It's wildly impressive, especially in light of the beginning of her career and all the problems she had on the front end. I also really enjoy performers who parlay their earnings into passion projects, especially ones that have humanitarian efforts behind them. One of the things I always look at is when I tell other people who we're talking about, it means something to me when casual movie fans know who we're talking about. And her name recognition is, it's, it's massive. And with that, I'm going to give her a much higher score than I set out to. I'm going to give her an 87. I really like what Craig was saying at the very end about the, uh, the name recognition. And I, I couldn't agree more that, especially during our you know, our age group, Angelina Jolie was the number one, you know, actress in, in Hollywood for basically that five, five year stretch. And so name recognition was there for people our age. I don't think younger uh, generations really know much about her because she is kind of out of the, the, the spotlight. And, you know, unfortunately she's been replaced with even bigger pieces of shit. <laughs> Not not to say that she's a piece of shit because she's not because I, I I am supportive of her her passion projects and like she she does it seems like she does these things to support what she genuinely cares about which is great when it comes to the movies though like she's very meh to me in just about everything I I haven't seen the ones that everyone likes I never saw Changeling mainly because like I. If I'm watching her in something, I want to. It's gonna. I, I want it to be something that's mindless. I want to watch the, the Gone in sixty seconds. I want to watch the the Tomb Raiders. I want to watch things like that. Things that I know that I don't have to pay attention to, and just I'm moving through it. So really, that that all said, I'm gonna end up giving her a seventy five. You know, and I'm fascinated by her like background and yeah, you know her 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 history and everything like that. And yeah, she's done a fucking stellar job but it's gonna be really weird to see like 
what is she going to do if, if at all, like 10 years from now, you know, is she still going to be relevant? Is she going to maintain relevancy by doing a movie in 10 years from now and being in a fourth marriage? Like, I don't know something blood related. It'll be, it'll be really interesting to see if she actually comes up with even better stuff down the line, because I think it is, you know, I think it's the potential is there, but again, like, Am I going to be the one to really see it? Probably not. Lauren, are you saying she's available? If so, I didn't take that note. Now I, now I know. James said he had to jump off because of baby duties, but he told me his score. So he's, he didn't give me an explanation, but he said he's given her a 79. Yeah, Rigby, go ahead. When we first heard Angelina Jolie, when, we, when I first heard we were doing her, I pictured like all the people that we've done in previous episodes, and I realized that Angelina Jolie... Like, Kyle, when you describe this, this show as like doing... Famous actors going over their career, their filmography, also their personal life and just like their legacy. Like I think Angelina Jolie is like the perfect person for this show because she has Yeah. She like hits all that stuff perfectly. Besides like the social media presence, which whatever, but like she literally is huge. Her filmography is is good. I should say great. Her personal life is like obviously as messy as it gets and as interesting as it gets. Her uh, philanthropic stuff, you know, just her outside passion projects, all that stuff is like, you know, that's what made her one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. And I think the 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 perfect person for this type of show. So I'm going to give her one of my highest scores. I'm going to give her a 91. Wow. Hey, Rigby, scrolling on Twitter, and I just found an article that says, Brad Pitt says Angelina Jolie sought to inflict harm with vineyard sale. When she sold her stake in a French vineyard to a Russian oligarch. So you're saying I should give you a higher score? Is that what you're saying? You support you supporting Russia? Huh? Huh? Until I until I see proof, I'm going ninety one. Hey, this this is BBC. I trust BBC. Lauren, our guest Munson, you are up. Yeah, so like what a lot of other people talked about, you just can't ignore her name recognition and her that her just her contributions to pop culture. None of her movies are like my favorite movie. And I think we've certainly referenced some really terrible movies. But I think looking at, you know, when I was thinking about like the score and what to give, I kind of made the realization that you could, you could absolutely, she's one of those celebrities and one of those actors where you could use their name as a verb. Yeah. And whether you're referring to her things she does in relationships or you are referring to her philanthropic humanitarian work, you know, adapting a bunch of kids from around the world. I think you could totally Angelina Jolie something and it could mean a variety of things. And I think when you reach that level, like you just got to, you got to give some credit there that like her impact certainly goes beyond her acting ability or her directing ability, but it's there. It's always there. I think that I would go 88. Right. And I'll round us out all the big stuff that makes this process exciting. She hits those bars. To Warren's point, there's a lot of movies that she's in where I'm just like, man, man, whatever. I've seen her do some really impressive acting in some movies, and then I watched like Cyborg 2, and I'm like, man, how did she become this from that? Like, how do you rate someone that's got the Oscar win and has been nominated for seven Razzies? Like, it's just all over the place. So, bonafide movie star, personal life, super fascinating. And I think she's become a pretty respected producer and filmmaker. So I'm going to give her an 81. I'm on the lower side. And with that, that gives Angelina Jolie an 83.5. 
puts her in ninth place between Angela Bassett and Laura Linney. Oh, that's that's a great spot for her. Me likey. I wonder I wonder how the uh you know communication with people on like Twitter and stuff's gonna be. I, I think she's got a bit of a bit of a following. I feel like she has a following, but also like I feel like a, there's she's got a lot of haters too, I bet. Yeah. Jennifer Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> so Warren, what has she got coming? Maleficent three and every note played. They're both in uh, pre-production, I believe. We know what we're getting with uh, Maleficent, but every note played, a piano virtuoso is diagnosed with ALS as a strange ex-wife takes up the cross of caring for him, and he is forced to balance reconciling his failed relationships with redefining his pursuit of greatness. And that is, is supposed to be, yeah, cr- rumored Christoph Waltz. Nice. Directed by Tarantino. No, I'm kidding. next episode is going to land on june 30th uh james's sister laura is coming back for that she was here for chloe grace moretz previously these are the five actors that we threw under the wheel we've got david oyelowo sid haig susan sarandon russell crowe fought around the world and margot robbie what do we like what do we dislike tonight margot just name name wise, I only know the bottom three, and I would love to talk about Russell Crowe. Sid Haig, Sid Haig is a, a well was a he's dead now, but rest in peace. He yeah. he was in some dark ass movies, so we we definitely watched some uh, some disturbing stuff for sure. A lot of Rob Zombie pictures. I feel like I saw David Oyelowo on a late night show once and all i remember about the interview i don't even remember what movie he was talking about all i remember about the movie was that he explained how to pronounce his name which is quite fun to say it would be fun to say his name over and over again in an yeah, episode. It would be. <laughs> i think we'd all we'd all probably mess it up throughout the episode for sure selma we'd watch selma if he yeah. was on there united kingdom the most violent year that's a good movie we can watch susan sarandon in uh uh team america <laughs> Fuck yeah. It's in that <laughs> Bull Durham. She's in a lot of shit, man. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good list. There's not, there's really not somebody on there that I'm hoping we don't we try to avoid. I think he'd be our second person that we've done that's deceased, right? I think Philip Seymour Hoffman was our only one. And, and now Hurt. we got hurt. I mean, he is not yeah. William Hurt. Dead, yeah. yeah, but we did him. He was alive, obviously. So, all right, uh, Lauren, what do you what would you pick if you had to choose? Man, I I think I'd probably go Susan Sarandon, but I think Margot Robbie would be super fun too. I feel like she's done some interesting roles that would be fun to talk about, even if, mm-hmm. again, just like Angelina Jolie, even if not all of them are the most amazing movie ever. Divisive movie. I don't think we've talked about Wolf of Wall Street on this podcast, and that's that's that, oh, yeah. that would just be a fun one. To talk about. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All right, well, who do we think Laura would pick? She was here for Chloe Grace Moretz. No, James isn't here. I'm going. I'm going Russell Crowe for her. I'm going Margot Robbie. I'm going uh, since you're going. I'm going one of the females. Uh, James, before she came on for Chloe, he was like, she's always interested in the up and coming actresses. So that's and that would it, be Margot. Makes me t- Margot. So that's Sid Hag. <laughs> Very up and coming. Um, but we'll see. She doesn't decide. Lauren doesn't decide. Warren doesn't decide. We don't decide. The wheel decides. See how it goes. You know it doesn't. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bullshit. Well done. Decide. I decide. Uh, I, I, 
Captain, Captain. <laughs> um, Lauren, thank you for being here. We always appreciate having you, our favorite Pittsburgh yeah. guest. Thank any you for plugs, jumping on. Any wise words for the audience? Any plugs that you want to make? Oh, man. Well, thank you guys for having me again. I get such great movie selections anytime I'm here. So it really is a joy. <laughs> no, it's been a lot of fun. Every movie I've covered so far has not been one that I saw previously. So I think that's been an exciting challenge for me to see something new. And oh, as far as plugs, I don't know. It's summer in Pittsburgh, which is like the nice time of year to visit. So you should all come to visit. You should all come to Pittsburgh. It's it's a good time. Pittsburgh's great. The sun does actually shine sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, you have, the, you have one of the best baseball stadiums in the country, too, right? Amen. We do. You have to specify that it's the baseball stadium and not the team, but yeah, it is yep. absolutely beautiful and certainly a fun place to go watch a game. Agreed. But as we wrap up, you can find us on Twitter, Munson's at Movies. You can catch us on the IG, Munson's at the Movies. You can email us, Munson's at the Movies at gmail.com. Only one person has ever emailed us, and we had to uh, withhold that one and before we send it along because we didn't wasn't sure if we were breaking a restraining order on that one <laughs> but <laughs> we'll talk about that after um, any final thoughts from Angelina Jolie why don't you do the world's big fat fucking favorite all back to Munson's out alright let's go thank you for the education gentlemen we've just received a PhD in stupidity doctor shall we Get out of here, Dewey. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer. And you don't want no part of this shit. You're smoking reefers?